This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler. Bonus episode, business building series, the why, what, and how of being a wildly successful coach, part one. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to this business building series for coaches, the why, what, and how of being a wildly successful coach. I'm Meg Rentschler. I'm the host of the Star Coach Show and am absolutely dedicated to helping coaches bring their work into the world because I believe that the world needs to connect with one another differently, to be able to engage with more curiosity and discovery of one another to help people reach their goals. And I happen to believe that coaching is a great vehicle to do that. Over the past 15 years, I have been in the coaching space after 20 plus years as a psychotherapist prior to that and have had the honor of teaching and mentoring over a thousand coaches to be better in their coaching, to think about how they're building their businesses, and have partnered with so many coaches to build their businesses so that they really are able to have the impact that they want. For this series, I was very intentional about who I was going to partner with in this place of really diving into why do we need to do certain things? What is it specifically that we need to do? And then that key element of how do we do it, which is often the piece that I think gets left out. So I partnered with my friend, Sue Shoning. She is first and foremost, a coach. She has over 30,000 hours in individual and group client hours of experience. She works exclusively online, which makes her particularly uh, important to kind of have some of these conversations with. She connects with people all over the world. And her client list is business executives, sports stars, media personalities, and coaches. She works a lot with coaches who are trying to get their work into the world as well. She has drawn on her business and professional experience in her training years of coaching and mentoring. She works across a broad range of different life circumstances and actually initially trained as a nurse. So we both kind of come from this background of being in a helping profession outside of coaching. And um, in 2013, she partnered with her husband, Franz, to create Coach Automator, which is an online marketing and business automation management platform. It's aimed specifically for coaches, wellness people, and the healing industry. It is such an incredible tool that that when I was visiting with Sue about wanting to help coaches really thrive, it just made sense that we took her experience from all those different paths she's walked to create this series. So in this very first episode that we're about to play, Sue and I are going to dive into why is it critical to have an online presence? And right there, you might have some objections raised within you. I don't want to be online. I don't like, I just, I just want to coach. We get it. And yet I think we lay out a compelling case for you here of what you really need to be doing, what you need to stop doing, and what's a complete waste of time for you. And then we're going to give you uh, just a little summary to begin to move forward so that you can be ready for our second episode, which is going to be on the what. Now that we understand the why, 
Let's jump into what is it that we need to be creating? What is it that ends up making that connection and gives our offers something that we can feel confident and compelled to bring forward and that are magnetics to draw our clients towards us? And then finally, we're going to end with a webinar, live webinar that we invite you to join on September 29th at noon central time, 1 p.m. New York time. And we will have a uh, go ahead and you can opt in for that in the link next to this video. In that, that's where we're really diving into the how. Okay, you've told me why. You've told me what. But how do I do this? I hear that from coaches every day. How do I do this to really be successful at building my business? That's what this free series is all about. So let's dive into our first episode with my friend Sue and I talking about the why. Why is it critical to have an online presence? And then we'll see you for episode two. Enjoy. Susan Shoning, welcome to the Star Coach Show. I am so excited to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me, Meg. I have been looking forward to this. We have planned to do a special series for the Star Coach Show because we have so many things in alignment. Primarily this deep passion and belief that that coaching is needed in the world. And in order to bring coaching into the world, we need to help coaches flourish and really thrive and be able to make a living doing what they love. And therefore, we've decided we need to get these barriers out of the way. And we are going to dive into the meat of what coaches need to be thinking about, doing, and giving them tools to be able to do the things they need to thrive. And that's what this series is all about. So Sue, I'm so excited to join you in this series. We're going to start with what is it that makes it critical to have an online business as a coach? It it, it might feel even counterintuitive, but we're going to start with that concept of why is it critical to be online as a coach? That's where we're starting, correct? Yeah, and it is such an important question because we all know the world is charging ahead at a rate of knots. And in the olden days, and I'm talking pre-COVID, in the olden days, it was still kind of okay for us to say, no, I don't need to be online. I meet with all my clients face-to-face. They all know me around here. And so it was probably more okay for us to be able to say, I'm going to stay away from the tech world. I'm going to stay away from the online world. Well, then COVID came in and it just completely blew everything we we were doing out of the water because suddenly we were in a space where we had to meet our clients a different way and we had to connect with our clients a different way. And now our clients might have been in lockdown or they might have been in a space where we weren't able to do group gatherings. Now it became critical that we were in a space where we were able to reach out to them because otherwise our coaching practices were just going to fall by the wayside. And so if you remember, Meg, you know, 2020, 21, people were scrambling to get themselves onto LinkedIn, to get themselves onto Zoom, to get themselves in some kind of way that they could reach out to their clients over email and to try and get websites up there and out there. And here we are now, three years later, and we realize that it's not going away. Right. Our audience has been trained to look for what they want online. And as coaches, we need to be where they are looking so that we can actually meet them with what it is that they're looking for. So key. And I think I had friends who literally lost over $100,000 overnight, just like their business model was they were traveling and facilitating and coaching and that just went away boom 
And I think that with every crisis, there can be a silver lining as well. So maybe one of the things that we've learned over this past three years is that if we engage differently, we're able to connect with people that maybe we never would have connected with before. We're able to impact more people. And even those that might not engage with us as paying clients are still getting value from what we're sharing, what we're offering, and ultimately might very well engage with us someday. I mean, you know, we I, I've had people who have followed me and worked like I know they followed me online or done different things with me for years. And then suddenly they're a client. So it does offer the shift of thinking can offer us opportunity that maybe we just never realized was there in the old way of thinking. Absolutely. Because in the old way of thinking, and, and it it just is mind boggling to think that it's just three years ago. Yeah. And it's the but- old way. Yeah. We, we were kind of stuck in that geographical mode and a lot of coaches were in that space of I provide services in this geographical location. But the silver lining, as you say, is that now if I'm online, I can expand that reach and I can be working with people who might be in a different city, they might be in a different state, they might be on a different side of the country, they might even be in another country somewhere halfway around the world. Because what this does is it allows you to reach out to people who fall within your niche audience, so the people you want to talk to, but they're now spread out over a more remote area. So it really does, it expands the reach of who you're able to talk to. Yeah. And in order to do that effectively, we want to go through some specifics for each of you to be thinking about in what to do to make this online presence really effective, what to stop doing, and what is a complete waste of your time. So we definitely want to be able to steer you by the end of this episode, you're going to have a roadmap for what do I need to be doing to be effective with my online presence. So Sue, Mm -hmm. let's start with what to do? What what should people be, be thinking about and, and applying that are listening? So first and foremost, we've got to start thinking about who it is that we're talking to and who it is that we're trying to reach. And the rule that we should never, ever forget is it's not where I want to be. I need to be where my audience is. So for instance, if I'm selling tennis rackets, I need to be positioned near a tennis court. It is that same thing that says, I need to be very, very clear about who my niche is, who my audience is, who am I trying to talk to, who am I trying to serve? And I need to figure out who they are, where they are, and what it is that they need um, from me. So the most important thing where we all need to start is to sit back and say, what is my niche? What is the audience that I'm trying to talk to? And what is it that I want to say to them? A lot of coaches focus on the other side of it, which is what is it that I do? And while that's important and, and we, you need to be very clear on what it is you do, your starting point is who is it that I want to be talking to? Who is it that I want to be working with? Because we would need to flip the switch from I'm focusing on me and what I do to I'm focusing on the client and what they need to hear and what journey they need to go on. So that is the most important thing is to move into that space of thinking, what does the client need to know? And we always talk about figure out what their biggest pain is or what their biggest problem is, what's their biggest need, and then craft what it is that you do to meet that need. Because at the end of the day, people really buy for one of three reasons. They do it because they're in pain and they want to stop the pain. They buy because they've got a massive problem and they need to figure out a solution. Or they buy because there is a really big potential reward. So we want to figure out that. So I would say for coaches, first point, 
who is your audience? Who is it that you are going to be targeting in and what is it that they're struggling with? And then adapt what you do to what it is that they're struggling with. So let's have a, a- address an objection right out of the gate, an objection that I hear often from coaches, which is I can coach anybody as the coaching process allows me to coach anyone, to meet them where they're at, to help them bridge the gap. And I would say, yes, that's true. And how often do you purchase from a jack of all trades versus somebody who really understands you your pain points, your goals, and can help you speak your language, identify with your need, and then say, and here's what we do to bridge that gap. So I just want to right away bridge that objection because I hear it often. I also hear the fear, if I niche down, I'm losing all these other people. And I would say again, A, you can't serve everybody in the world. So think about who it is that you really want to be able to serve, who you really understand. Often, in my experience, Sue, and I would wonder if it's in your experience as well, often as coaches, we are our own identified client. We have walked that path. We have engaged in, we've overcome those obstacles, those and figured out a way to create a solution to what our unique client is struggling with. What are your thoughts about that? Meg, I think one of the most important things is for us to recognize that we've all been on our hero's journey. And we've been all been on a training for good or for bad or for ugly that has made us who we are today. It's given us unique insights. It's given us unique awarenesses. And it's given us probably the awareness or knowledge of a subject that we wouldn't necessarily have otherwise because of the journey that we've been on. Imagine if you could couple that journey that you've been on with your coaching knowledge with the experience that you have, if you could couple that intense understanding of where your client is at and what they are going through with what you know about your coaching training and your coaching awareness of the magic that you could help create for that client. So beautiful. And the other objection that I often hear or I don't know if it's an objection as much as a roadblock, which is, oh, if I choose this particular niche, that's where I'm going to be sort of in forever. That's the lane I'm going to travel forever. And what I would say is in order to get traction, in order to create visibility, credibility, to find where your audience is, like Sue said, we're going to want to identify a niche. That doesn't mean that 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 you are settling yourself into that for the next 40 years. In my experience, coaches will worry about that so much that they don't begin because it's like, oh, I could do this, or I could do this, or I could do this. And oh, I don't necessarily want to say no to this niche or that. That's okay. But you need to pick a niche to begin to walk the path that Sue and I are going to be talking about in the things that you're going to do and the and the way that you're going to begin to engage. What are your thoughts? So my thought on that is that niches, like everything, evolve. And we might start off thinking that this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to serve these people and this is the work that I'm going to do. And over time, as you experience working with these people and you experience doing the work in this way, you might find that you grow and you evolve and you develop. And in doing so, you widen your niche and you widen your skill set and what it is that you're doing. Or you could find this niche doesn't work for you. This is not a place where you want to be. The beauty is, is that you can actually change lane. You're not stuck in this place forever. 
but you do need to choose a niche in order to start. We cannot be all things to all people. We cannot be the general surgeon and the administrator of a hospital. We just cannot be all things to all people. We have to be able to say, this is the lane that I'm going to focus on. Let's actually see what my skill set can do in this space. If it doesn't work and you've done a few things that you and I are going to be talking about through this series, then you can start changing your niche and you can start looking at different areas. But to get started, choose where you're going to focus. You know, um, the other thing that I would also say is the Internet is a very crowded place. It is a massive, you know, everybody and his dog is there. And it, no matter what you're looking for, if you're looking for blue ponies that are riding on red unicorns, you would probably be able to type that into a search bar and you can find that. So now imagine that your client is sitting out there and they're typing coach into the search bar. They are going to get thousands and thousands and thousands of responses coming back. How do they begin to choose? How do they begin to say, this is the kind of coaching I need for where I'm at? They're going to be inundated. But say, for instance, your your client is going through a divorce, or they're going through a loss, or they're trying to position themselves for a career development, or they're struggling with a new management position. Imagine now that instead of just typing in coach, they were going to type in divorce coach or grief coach or executive coach that specializes in new management hires. The more you can give the detail of what you're looking for, you know, the more accurate your search results are going to be. It's exactly the same for a coach. The more I can turn around and say, I'm an executive coach, I focus in on um, middle management to senior management, and I focus in on this specific issue, the more likely you are that people are going to pick you up and find you when they're searching for you. And this is the power of the niche, as opposed to I'm a coach and I can do anything to I am now very focused in on these are the areas that I work with. Now your client is able to start finding you. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And it also reinforces the power of being online. Because if you are a coach who only coaches people in Middletown, New York, you know, there might not be as many clients who are mid to senior level who are doing, you know, a transition or looking for this particular thing. Mm -hmm. Yet there are millions and millions of people online. So when you are able to create that criteria for all those who are thinking, but a niche is going to dwindle me down to such a level that there's not going to be enough people who need that, I would disagree. I would disagree that There is hardly any niche that is so fine-tuned that there aren't enough people in the world looking for that particular thing. That's exactly it. So, for instance, you and I both, we both focus in on coaches. That is our broad definition of our niche. And then we go one step further. We focus in on coaches who want to grow their business and want to develop their skill set so that they can grow their business so that they can take it to the next level. So we have now further established what that niche is. And what I would say to people who are listening is sit down and set and focus on, you know, what your niche is, and then write out all the keywords that you think are associated with that niche. So if you're saying, well, I don't know how to begin to describe the niche that I'm in, say, for instance, you are coaching women who are going through a divorce. So you're for, you, women, great, but not all women are going through a divorce. So then divorce becomes a keyword. Okay, so are you going for women who are getting divorced, who have got children? 
or are you going for women who are getting divorced who are older? So, no, I'm going for women who've got children. Right, okay, so now we've got three levels of keywords, women, divorce, with children. Are they school-going age? Are they babies? Are they single moms? Are they working moms? Are they going back and they're trying to find, you know, as you as you start to identify at each level, it will give you a keyword until you will end up with something. I'm going for women. They're between the age of 35 and 45. They've got kids at high school or going into university. They are back at work. Their kids are latchkey kids. And you are now able to start crafting. That's the identity of the woman that I am talking to. Now I've got that in my head. Right. What does she want to hear? What is her biggest problem? What keeps her up at night? What is she struggling with? What is it that she really needs answers with or help with or support with? Now, what can I do that can help her with that? And that's where that's the way you're going to work with your niche, as opposed to this is what I do and everybody's going to find me. It's turning it the other way around so that you are now having a very clear conversation with somebody who wants to listen to what it is you're going to say. So you need to look through the lens that they're looking through, imagining that they're sitting at a keyboard, typing in words, looking for the help that they need. And the words that they're typing in are the words that you've identified so that there is a match. Yeah, that's exactly it. Here's another example. Imagine you want to go to a concert. So you type in the word concert into your keyboard and you'll get anything and everything from Swan Lake all the way down to Black Sabbath, you know, and to try and wade through all of that when actually what you're really looking for is Dolly Parton can be a really, really frustrating exercise. That's the power of knowing exactly who it is that you want to speak to. It would be very different if I was typing in Dolly Parton concert. Now I would have very different search results. Right. And more likely to buy a ticket. And more likely to buy a ticket. Yeah. So good. Anything else? I mean, we've had this robust conversation about really where we start is clarity about who we're going to work with, what they're likely to need from us what their pain points are, what their goals are, what the the gaps in their lives are. And then we begin to look at and how does our service help bridge that gap for them? Anything else that we want to do before we move into what we need to stop doing? So um, what we need to have, how we need to equip ourselves, we need to have a website. Now, that website in the olden days, again, pre-2020, websites in those days were long, complicated affairs. And just the thought of putting together a huge website, I think, must be very intimidating for a lot of coaches. These days, the most effective websites are simple, one-page websites that people can literally just scroll through on the phone. Think of when how you are looking for information you must always think of how it is that you look for information and most of us we will look for information on what on our mobile phones or on our ipads and so having something that is multi-pages where i've got to click here and link here and you know try to navigate around on a mobile phone doesn't work too well so this is why we've driven the trend into one page long scrolling websites. And basically on that website, what you need to have is who you're talking to. So again, the power of your niche, who is it that you're talking to, what it is that you are going to do and who you are and a way for them to contact you. That is all that we should be putting on our website, really, um, to get started. It doesn't need to be this long convoluted um, affair. Make sure that you've got a, a website presence because people are, they're going to look you up, they're going to check who you are, and they're going to try and find out about you. 
And one of the first places that they're going to do that is look to see if you've got a website presence. One page website is good enough to get going and it can evolve as you do. The second place that people are going to check up on you is social media. And whether you love it or whether you hate it, it's a place that we need to be. Now, it doesn't mean we've got to be on every single platform that's out there, because if you are, you're just never going to have a life. You're just going to be running from social and it'll drive you crazy. But again, choose the platforms where your audience is going to be. So here's the power of the niche. If you know that you're talking to mostly women, you're going to want to be on Instagram and Facebook. But now if you are talking to mostly women who are in a career position, you are going to want to add LinkedIn into that mix as well. So you need to know who you're talking to, where do they hang out? And that's where you need to be. Social media, a lot of people that I speak to, and Meg, I'm sure you have the same conversations, people hate it. They absolutely hate it. I don't want to be on social media. You've got to think of it as it is literally free opportunities for you to be able to connect with your client. And yes, it's going to take you time and effort and all of that, but it's you being able to have the opportunity to connect with your client for next to nothing. Seize it, use it. So it's a shift of perspective. You know, if all we see is the negative, That's all we're going to focus on. You're going to get wrapped around the negative. When you look at it as an opportunity to connect with people everywhere for little to nothing, if and except for your time and your energy, and we're not talking about doing ads right now. This is this is organic social media posts. And the way I love to look at it also is it's an opportunity for me to provide value to provide a tip, to challenge somebody to think about something differently, to build relationships. I love to build relationships. Connectedness is my number one strength. So what a great opportunity for that that and yes, there's the ins and outs and the of the different of the different platforms and the challenges around the different platforms. But in general, you see what you look at. So if you're going to look at this as an opportunity and how am I going to maximize the opportunity versus this is this is a, a horrible thing that I have to do. You have the choice of how you're looking at it. Sue and I are challenging you to think about how can you Look at social media as an opportunity. And you said a really important point. You said two things that I want to pick up on. One, you want to connect with your your people. Social media allows you to start a conversation. It allows you to jump into other people's conversations. It allows you to make connections with people that you wouldn't necessarily have come into contact with. And that is an exceptionally powerful tool that we have at our disposal. If you can be in a space where you are able to say, these are the kind of things that are important to me that I would like to put out there for clients or potential clients to look at and engage with, it's the perfect platform to do so. Adding value. Here's the thing that I have found through the many years that I've been doing this. I don't think I've met one coach who hasn't had a wealth of knowledge and information and content possibilities inside of them. They are walking examples of knowledge. They've got so much to offer and they've got so much to give and they've got so many different possibilities of providing that and providing that as value to the clients, whether it is making them question or challenge or see things from a different perspective or, you know, and coaches have a massive opportunity to show their value to this audience to these people to literally showcase them and say, this is what I'm about. So I'm I'm giving you a tester or a taste of what I'm about so that 
would you like to continue the conversation? You know, in the olden days where we used to go into a shopping center and they used to say, try this new dish and there is a new salad cream or there is a new tomato sauce and you can try this. And those are taste testers. That's what social media does for coaches with the knowledge that they have. And I, I, every single coach that I've spoken to has got such a wealth of information and value to offer. They really do. So good. So we know we have to identify our client. We have to have some kind of a website for credibility, visibility, just sort of as, as a as a double check. People are going to check. And, and we also want to be on social media where our clients are. The other thing I will say um, real quickly is that your LinkedIn profile for anybody who is the LinkedIn is your where you know your clients are going to be. LinkedIn profiles have a great search searchability. So if you are like, gosh, I don't even know yet where to start, at least start with a LinkedIn profile because that will be one of your first hits in a uh, in a Google search. If somebody searches your name, your LinkedIn profile is going to pop up. So you know, we've and got some shows around. Yeah. Before your website, your yes, LinkedIn it will. profile will come up first. Yeah. I've got two websites. I've got, uh, I'm, I'm on faculty at a university, but still the very first thing that pops up for me is my LinkedIn whenever I, I search my own name. And that's mm-hmm. the other thing, people, are you searching your own name? Are you mm-hmm. seeing what comes up for you online when, when you, uh, that will, might give you some good focus to put the things that we're talking about in practice, what's currently coming up for you when you do a Google search on your own name? Mm-hmm. All right, Sue. So we've done what else, if anything, on what to do? So here's the next thing that is really, really important. And it's the power of email marketing. And we need to start putting effort and time into building up an email database. And the reason why it's so important, because what we're doing when we have people on our email database now, we have got permission to be able to talk to them, to have a conversation with them, to send them a newsletter, to send them what it is that we're doing. They, they have come into our email system or into our ecosystem, and we now have permission. So how do you do that? So one of the best ways to do it, and I'm sure you've heard about putting together a lead magnet so that people respond to it, and then you can email. So what is an, a, a lead magnet? Well, it doesn't have to be anything really huge or amazing, but think, go back to your niche and go back to what it is that you do and come up with something that that person, that that avatar would want to read about. So for instance, let me go back to my example of the person who is trying to position themselves for a career growth or a career change or whatever. You could come up with a lead magnet that says, 20 critical tips that you need to know if you're thinking of changing your job. Now, if I'm thinking of changing my job, I'm going to be very sensitive to something like that. And I'm going to want to see what it is that you say. So the post goes up onto social media. And on this case, you go into LinkedIn because, you know, we're talking to the career people. 20 critical tips. And you're going to point them to a landing page. And on that landing page, there will be a form that says, sign up here to receive your 20 critical tips. They give you their email address and you are going to send them the tips that you have written out. It doesn't need to be anything super amazing and like designed by huge, you know, like ad agencies. It just needs to be able to provide value in a coherent format. But the fact is, you gave them a, a, you gave them value, the tips, they've signed up, and the quid pro quo is they've come now into your ecosystem. What do you know about that client now? You know that they're interested in 
career issues. You have already started to segment that they're into this kind of a topic. So now in a month's time, in three weeks' time, you can follow up with information that says, you know, what to do if you're going for an interview, how to position yourself in an interview, something that is very relevant to the topic that you have started. The power of this is it allows you to now have an ongoing conversation with that client then or, or that person. They're not a client yet, but they're now in your funnel. They're now in a space where you can have a conversation with them, and now we can begin to nurture them, not blast them, but nurture them gently into a space where they go, you know what, I'd actually like to have a conversation with this person. But this person uh, really understands me. They they keep sending me information that's the, what I need and what I need to hear. And it's valuable. We uh, give to receive. We don't ask to receive. We give to receive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and so the power of email marketing, I mean, I'm sure you've heard that you should be getting a dollar per client per month. So now imagine you've got 10 people on your database. So a dollar per, per name on your database, okay, so that's $10 a month. Okay, what if I've got 500? What if I've got 5,000? What if I've got 10,000 people on my database? And that same premise holds true that I should be able to get a dollar per name on my database. Now we're talking about starting to mine that database and use it as a marketing tool and as a business growth mechanism. So there is an enormous amount of power in spending time on building up your email database. So good. And the other thing that we want to emphasize is that if you say, well, I could do all of that, I can talk with my people on, and give them value through Facebook or through my Instagram posts or through LinkedIn. And we would agree that, yes, you can give value there. You can connect and, and engage and, and build, build a, a good relationship. And all of those followers, all of those names are under the control of whatever platform you're on. So if Facebook decides tomorrow, you know what, we're going to cancel these accounts. And and believe me, I've heard it happening more than once, or LinkedIn changes their algorithm, or, or Instagram makes a, a change to do X, Y, and Z. You don't own any of those followers. You don't, they're all under the control of something that you have no business control over. So we're not saying don't develop those relationships online. It's you develop those relationships through those platforms, which we've already talked about how important those platforms are, with the intention of getting those people into your own ecosystem, getting those so that you can engage with them. You can send them emails, you can nurture them, you can build those relationships through something that is actually under your control. And, you know, Meg, that brings us right into what to stop doing or what to not do. And don't ever build your business on a platform that somebody else controls. For all the reasons that you've just said, they can change that algorithm tomorrow. And they do. You know, it is it is well known that your organic reach on Facebook is less than 1%. I think a 0.8% of the posts that you put out are going to get up to 0.8% of your audience. So if, you, if you've got 5,000 followers on Facebook, 0.8% are going to see them in, that, in your feed. So just because you're putting out your pet post doesn't mean that everybody's going to see it because that algorithm is limiting it over and over, you know. So, but link, LinkedIn could go down tomorrow. It could get sold. It could get, you know, who knows? Look what happened to Twitter. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Exactly. Look what happened to Twitter. Look at the, the conversation that keeps going on about TikTok. Oh, it's going to get banned. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. You know, what if it, did get banned. And all of these people had built their business on a platform that overnight was banned. That means every bit of 
work that you have put in to building your audience is gone. It's just, you know, you've lost it. So the thing that we should always remember is have the conversation on LinkedIn, have the conversation on Facebook. It's perfect. You know, we we use that to connect and to have the conversation. And then we kind of say, hey, I'm having a party in my backyard. Do you want to come and see what we're doing? And we get them off Facebook and we get them into our ecosystem. Because now we've now we that now we control how often we can talk to them and what it is that we're going to say to them. Um, so that is one of the things that we we really do need to stop doing. And a while ago in Europe, I don't know whether it actually hit the States, but a while ago there was this thing that was going, you don't need a website, you don't need sales funnels, you don't need to email your people. All you need to do is do it all through Facebook. And that is frightening because it's the law of diminishing returns um, because then you've got to spend an enormous amount of money through advertising to keep reaching that audience. Right. Invest in a system and get a platform where you can actually have a database where you can you can manage the conversation. So that's one of so the, the most important. That's things. one of the what to stop doing. Yeah, stop relying on or holding all of your people on a platform that you don't own. Yeah. Uh, now that doesn't mean to stop using that platform. It just means use that platform as a way to invite them to your backyard party. There you go. That's exactly okay. It. What that's else, exactly. if anything, should we stop doing? I think one of the most important things that coaches in my experience, need to stop doing is watching what everybody else is doing and thinking that's the way it needs to be done. Because most coaches are in a space where they're trying trial and error and trying to figure it out. And just because somebody is doing something doesn't mean it's effective. Just because somebody says they're charging a thousand bucks an hour doesn't mean they're getting it. You know, to be very focused on this is who I am, this is what I do, this is what I'm serving, these are the conversations I'm having with my client, and to focus in on that before we focus in on what everybody else is doing. Because all that happens is we end up spinning because Joe's doing this and Mary's doing this and Susie's doing this and they must all know something that I don't know. So we end up spinning and then we start chasing every shiny penny that's out there because clearly that must be the answer. And all that's going to happen is we'll waste a lot of time and we'll probably waste an enormous amount of money and just get despair and despondence in the process. And we've done that. We've, we've, we've both, we talked about the fact that over the course of the years that we've built our business, particularly as a, as a new coach, I was like, oh, maybe that's what I should do. And, and I'll invest in that and I'll invest in. And as I look back now, I think, oh, to only have some of that back. However, everything I did, I learned from, and yet if we don't get any traction, and that's the other thing, we've got to put the time, like make a decision, put a stake in the ground and do something long enough to begin to see results from it. Definitely, there might be some things you do that you say, okay, I've, I've given it time and energy. It's just not, it's not creating the results that I want. That's life. But um, we've got to give it time and traction, right? So what are your thoughts? I think that's the other thing that we need to stop doing is putting something out there and expecting an immediate reaction. Now, if it happens, that's brilliant. That's wonderful. Then we know we've we've hit it smack on. But it's it's kind of like walking into a room and saying, buy me. All people are going to do is look at you and go, what are you talking about? Right. And so we come back into the room and we start shouting louder, buy me, buy me. You know, we've got to have that conversation going first. We've got to have the the proof of credibility first. We've got to start showing what it is we do. And here's what a lot of people often do is they give up too soon. So you say you've got to, you've got to give it time. 
we can't just put out one blog out there and say, we didn't get the results, so that didn't work. You know, we've got to be consistent in our approach. And we, this is the target market. This is the audience. This is the topic. This is what I'm, and let's actually work the process and give it some time. The way we talk about it is you wouldn't, you wouldn't walk into, move into a new street and buy a house in a new street and then go and introduce yourself to all your new neighbors and say, hi, I'm Sue. Can you lend me a hundred bucks, please? You just wouldn't do it. What you would do is you would probably go and knock on their doors and you'd say, hi, I'm Sue. I'm so excited to be in this neighborhood. Love to, to meet you. I'm having an open day on Friday to meet all the new neighbors. I'd love to meet you. And you'd give them a glass of champagne when they came. And you would start a conversation slowly. It's the same thing here. You don't move into a new niche and say, I'm here, buy me. We move into a new niche and we start establishing that credibility and we give it the time that it deserves to build up that relationship. So I think that's important. Here's what I think is a waste of time. There is a trend that is out there that says, I'm going to buy followers and I'm going to buy likes to show immediate credibility. It's a waste of time because none of that is real. And all it does is it puts a number on your Facebook followers or it puts a number on your LinkedIn followers or on your YouTube views, but it's empty because none of it is real. And I know it's hard work but because organic growth is hard work these days. But I would always turn around and say, instead of buying your followers or buying your engagement, rather spend time looking at how you can engage with them to increase the conversation and increase them coming into the conversation with you. That for me is a big no-no. Here's another thing that I think needs to be said is just because you are moving into the online space doesn't mean that you neglect your offline activities. So it's it's that that mix between having the online presence and having the online conversations, but also being able to pick up the phone and having a real conversation with your client. And there has to be this mix between the two. If before 2020, a lot of this stuff was offline, and then 2020 came along and it like shifted us into this online virtual and everything's gotta be virtual from courses to, you know, everything's gotta be virtual. The word I want to give the listeners today is hybrid. Think hybrid. Think how can I have real conversations with real people where I can still pick up the phone and say, I'm thinking of doing a course in this or offering a product in this, and you can have that conversation with offering online work with having online conversations. Think how you can actually marry that together because then that brings you the best of all worlds. And the most successful coaches I know offer multiple different kinds of products, which we'll talk about later, and do that in multiple different ways. I love, you know, sort of our theme word is hybrid. So as we're, as we're beginning to run out of time, boy, we could just, we could talk about this and talk about this, but anything, you know, we also wanted to talk about what is a complete waste of time. Now, if we, we talked about some of the things that were a waste of time, anything else that's a complete waste of time. One of the things that we spoke about, which is going after every shiny penny that is out there, you know, and uh, looking to see what are the latest trends and and dropping a lot of money on all the latest trends. I'm actually going to say one of the things that is really important and it goes under time wastage is not everybody is a guru. 
and not everybody is a guru where you should put your money. And what that means is be discerning because in this taking your business into the online space, I've seen it and I'm sure you've seen it, where we've had clients who've spent thousands upon thousands upon thousands because this one said do this and then they got disheartened so they moved here and this one said here do this or do this and now are in a space where they've got all sorts of credit cards stacked up and they don't really have um, anything to show for it they don't have any traction to show for it I would, I would turn around and I would say be very discerning about who you choose and where you put your money. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Um, that whole adage that if you know somebody is offering you millions for a short little bit of, of input, it's probably not going to happen. And to bring that, bring that awareness into this that says, I'm going to be very discerning about where I put my money, where I put my energy, and who I'm actually going to work with. And again, it comes back to what it is we said. It's the proof of the pudding. Their credibility, their content, how they're relating with you, and what it is they're doing with you. You know, do, do your due diligence is what I would say. So good. So, Sue, we wanted to start today with looking at the why of being uh, being online, what is critical about that, what the gift is in that, what the challenges are in that, and setting the stage for what we want to do, what we want to stop doing, what's a complete waste of our time. As we wrap up today, what are three things that you want people to remember? So I will sum it up in this act. The A stands for your audience. Who is that audience? Where is your audience at? Understanding that audience is really your very, very first point to whether you're online or offline. Understanding that audience is Marketing 101. Once you've established where that audience is, what is the conversation I want to have with them? How am I going to communicate with them? How am I going to connect with them? We want to talk, think about communicating and connection before we shift into conversion. We want to think about how, what kind of content do they need to see? What kind of credibility do they want to see? What is the coherent image that they are seeing? So think that see as coherence, credibility, content. Think of it communication, co- you know, how, what connection? Kind of yeah, yeah. And then down the line, how am I going to convert them? And then the T is traction. Now that I'm actually talking to them, now that I'm having a conversation and it's going somewhere, where am I going to take them? And what is it that I'm going to offer them that, so that they can say, yeah, I'm going to take that offer. I'm going to take what it is that you're giving me and that you can now start to get traction and you can start to shift them from a potential to maybe a prospect to maybe a client. So think, act, audience, connect, action. And that is in a nutshell, I think, just sums up what we've been talking about today. And you are such a wealth of information. I am so grateful. So today we really dove into the why. We're going to look at the what next. We're going to discover your marketing mojo and look at what is looking at the business side of the business and give you some tools to be able to do that on this journey forward in helping you thrive as a coach. Sue, thank you for partnering with me on this journey. I look forward to our next discussion. Meg, thank you. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. So we've started the road towards the why, what, and how of being a wildly successful coach. We've given you lots to think about. The next time we meet, we're going to be diving into the what. What are you creating that is attracting people towards you? 
What do you need to do to fill your calendar and make the kind of income that you desire as a successful coach? Opt in to the webinar that is going to be the end of the series in creating the movement forward that you need. Because we need to not just have the why and the what, but you need to understand the how. And that's what we're going to be doing in our live webinar. We invite you to join us. Sue and I want you to thrive as a coach. And we're going to be giving you the steps to do that. But you've got to opt into the webinar so that you get sent a link to join us. So until next week, when we dive into our marketing mojo, this is Meg Rentschler from The Star Coach Show. Thanking you for joining us. Subscribe, join, opt in, and we'll see you next week.